Great that we're starting another year, and uh, whole new things are ahead. And uh, how, many, how many experienced in your life last year some significant changes? You had changes took place. There was a couple of here. That's great. Great. That's awesome. How many believing to change this year? Oh, now we're talking. That's awesome. I like that. What I want to do tonight, I want to just speak with you uh, just concerning focus, focus in your life. I want to give you something to think about tonight, and particularly I want to give you something to go away and do. Uh, there's a number of things that uh, one of the most important things, one of the greatest keys to success is focus. One of the greatest ways that people actually fail to achieve in life is they lose their focus. How many of you have started out on a job and then didn't quite complete it? So actually, you failed, right? You failed to complete the task, didn't follow through, didn't see it through. How many have made resolutions, never followed them through? How many of us have started down on a great idea and then it never got finished? So, you know, what actually happened was a very simple thing that happened on the way you lost your focus. And what you started with, you didn't finish with, and that's why I didn't finish. And uh, I, I've had a history of it in my life, but I have learned over the years that if you can begin to lock your life in and begin to focus, to focus, uh, like in the natural, focus means you take the lights raised and you bring them all down and you put all of the energy, all of the light on one point. If you've got a magnifying glass, you can make a piece of paper burn just with the rays of the sun. So the sun's rays, which wouldn't normally do too much to you, can actually ignite something, set it on fire, if they're focused. If your energy is divided all over the place, then you can hardly achieve anything much with your life. But if you can bring your life into focus, then you start to begin to start to catch fire for God. You can start to begin to start to have impact with your life. And you'll find one thing that's characteristic of all achievers in every area of life is they have the ability to remain clearly focused. They know exactly what they want and they remain determined, and they persevere till they get it. That's a key to success in any area of life. And if you don't master that, what you find is your life will be dissipated, wasted, and after a few years, you look back and say, where did it all go? Where did all the money go? If some of you, how many have got a job? You know, you've got to earn some money. Anyone got a job, earn some money? So anyone here earn, say, about 20 bucks a week? There's one or two, 20 bucks a week. So okay, that means in last year then, 20 bucks a week, you earned $1,000. What happened with the $1,000? Uh-oh, pies, McDonald's. <laughs> it all went. See, it all went. See, if you, if you have, and, and, and see, one of the things is, if you have no focus for your money, your money will flee from you. And what matter how much you get, it'll still flee from you. Okay? It'll just go. If you have focus, you'll find money will come to you. So the person who's focused with their life will start to attract the things into their life that will help them go where they want to go. The person who has no focus, well, anything will come and it will get your attention. And so one of the key things in life, and you'll see that, and you'll see with people here, I'm just thinking just uh, tonight just about Ian as I was worshiping, thinking about Ian, and uh, this year he will be going into a whole number of nations in the world. Uh, many kinds of different doors have opened up, but if there would be one thing that would characterize Ian's life, it would be focus. High degree of focus. 
No success without... Now, of course, he has to have his wife bring him back down to ground every now and then, but <laughs> that's all right. But, but the point is this, that the success has come not just because God wanted to bless him, but because of focus. And so I want to just talk a little bit about it. I want to just open up just a few scriptures on it. Then I want to give you something to do at the end of, the, of, of tonight, something to go away and think about. Because I don't want you to end your life at the end of this year and you've accomplished nothing much with it. I want you to get to the end of this year and what you focused your attention on this year, you end the year and you say, I have accomplished it. I have accomplished it. And uh, it's the same for all of us. And uh, the devil's only got to do one simple thing to uh, cause you to not be successful. Very simple. Just sow another idea in your mind. <laughs> it's sort of quite simple, isn't it? Hey? You've got an idea of passionately serving the Lord. All he's got to do is sow one other idea in there, and you've now got division. Your energies are diluted, and you're not focused, and you're neither good in one or good in the other. So the thing that causes us to, one of the things that causes us to succeed in life, a great success key, is focus. So we're going to do focus, okay? In Psalm 27 and verse 4, one of the greatest men in the Old Testament, a man that I love, is uh, the man called King David. Now, what kind of guy was David? What kind of guy was he? Say, what would you say was this man David? What characterized his life, perhaps? Eh? Passion, tremendous passion and tremendous focus in his life. Yeah, we'll see that in this verse in a moment. But if you look at what he achieved with his life, what did David achieve with his life? Now, interesting thing is, uh, and of course, many of us perhaps haven't looked at it, or if you look and understand a little bit about Israel, this is what you find out. David completely, totally turned over the nation and altered its destiny forever. The days at the end of David's life, King David's life, was the greatest years in the history of Israel it has ever experienced in its history. It became the most influential and the most powerful nation in that part of the world. It had more wealth, it had more silver, it had more gold, it had more of everything than any other nation around it. It was a powerful nation, it was an influential nation, and people came from around the world to see what made this nation so great. And guess who's the man who got it there? David. He totally renovated the whole religious system. He turned it upside down and changed it from stage, stuffy, old religious kind of thing and, and formal sort of religion. He brought in musicians. He brought in trumpets. He brought in singers. He brought in joy. He brought in laughter. He brought in dancing. He brought in 24-7 praise and worship. He brought in sound. Huh? Now, there was no sound of music in the house of God before that, but by the time he'd finished, you couldn't go there and there wasn't sound. It was just a blast all the time. Huh? He totally remembered. Now, so, so when you look at David, he changed the religious, political, and military, and financial condition of a whole nation. So what is there that enabled him to be so successful outside in the world? Very, very simple. It's found in Psalm 27.4. One thing have I desired of the Lord. Focus. One thing. And that will I seek after. Okay? So you notice here, he's a man of intense focus. He was a man of intense focus. One thing 
do I want of the Lord? There's one thing grips my mind, my heart continually. There's not a day I get up when I'm not seeking it. There's not a day I don't go to rest when I'm, I'm thinking about it. There's not a night I'm not pursuing it. There's not a time in my life when this isn't something that I want. About that. That's a man with tremendous focus. And he said, not only that, that thing which I desire, I seek after. He said, I will seek after. He sought after it. He said, I will seek after it. So the things that you desire and focus your life on, you will begin to pursue. See? So you've got to be careful then that what you focused your life on and what you've set your desire on is something that's going to take you where God wants you to go. And your friends have got other ideas where they want you to go. The devil's got other ideas where he wants you to go. The only one who can stand up and say where you want to go is you. And it's time as you start the year to stand up and say this is where I want to go. I sometimes ask people, what do you want? They don't know. You're, you're in deep trouble because every wind that comes by is going to take you that way. You actually have to know what you want. You have to stand up on the inside and be able to say, this is what my life is about, what I'm focused on, this is what I want, this is what I'm seeking. So I should be asked, able to ask you within a week or so, the end of this year, what do you hope to have accomplished? You should be able to say. You should have some focus and clarity, this is what I want. This is what I'm pursuing. This is what I'm giving my life to this year. Okay? And so, see, one thing have I desired, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord. So David was captured by a relationship with the Lord. One of the things about a relationship with the Lord, it's not something heady, it's something experiential. And the more you have of him, the more you get in love with him. And the more you get in love with him, the more you want him. And the more you want him, the more you seek after him. And the more you seek after him, the more you begin to discover what he's like. And one of the reasons we're so vulnerable to all kinds of things is we haven't made the pursuit of God in our personal life a strong and a passionate and a single-minded desire. Now, you see, David didn't spend all his day just hanging around praying. He actually changed a nation. Sometimes we think that a person who's passionately in love with God, a person who's passionately hungry for the Lord, is going to do nothing with their life. Exactly the opposite should be taking place. That the person who is passionately pursuing the face of God, beginning to focus all of his life around deepening that relationship, listening to him, being shaped by him, understanding what he wants, will overflow with significant purpose for their life. Because God's plans are greater than our plans. So as we draw near to God, the overflow of the drawing near to God must be a clarity about the purpose, what God called us to do with our life. And so in, in deepening passionate relationship with the Lord overflows to a commitment to actually change a generation. The Bible says David served his generation by the will of God in Acts 13. In other words, he discovered what God wanted him to do that in that nation. And what did God wanted him to do? Wanted him to put on armor and become a valiant warrior. God anointed him, put an anointing, a spirit of might on him. Now you see, most of us, we, we don't even think what that meant. 
But, but David at times faced vast numbers of soldiers who out, they outnumbered him. And they were mean. They had chariots with these long swords attached to the wheels, would rotate and just, they'd send them into the, into the troops so they'd just take everyone off of the legs. David was a valiant man of war. He was not involved in pushing a button and a missile goes somewhere. He looked him in the eyes as he took their life. He was engaged in violent combat in risk of his life and yet not one record of him being wounded in any way. The anointing of the Spirit of Might on him kept him and kept him protected and enabled him to fulfill totally what God called him to do. He could engage a hostile enemy and army confident that God was with him. Was he afraid? Sure he was afraid. Sure he felt fear. In, in, in Psalm, I think in the beginning of that Psalm it says, but the Lord is my light. God speaks to me. God tells me what to do. The Lord is my light. He shows me things. Gives me strategies. Shows me how to do life and win. Huh? He says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. In other words, no matter what scrape I get into, God gets me out of it. He saves me, delivers me, rescues me. No matter how deep in I get, He gets me out. The Lord is the strength of my life. See, so, so he's, he, actually, he actually tells very clearly, God tells me what to do. God tells me how to run life. God gets involved with me and helps me out in the troubles and difficulties I have. And the Lord strengthens me so no matter what comes, I can handle it. No wonder he said one thing of my desire to the Lord, that will I seek after. That's what I want. I want more of God. I want more of what's making me do what I'm doing. See, so the passion to pursue God overflowed in a ministry, a mission that changed a nation in his day. God said, I love that boy. He's a man after my own heart. A man who seeks my power. A man who seeks wisdom. A man who seeks the face of God. A man who loves to be in the presence of God. A man who carries the warrior spirit of God into the earth. I like that. That's what you called it. Now, of course, you're not David, you say. So most people, when we start to talk like this, they get revved up a bit about it, but they say, well, that's David. You know, I'm me. Well, believe me, God has something for you to do that will require you to do the same thing he did. Have a single-minded, passionate focus on Jesus Christ and a deepening desire and hunger to pursue Him, and then a listening to how He wants you to overflow and have influence in the day you live. You're not here for nothing. You're here for something eternally significant. Jesus didn't pay for your life on the cross for nothing. He bought you on the cross that your life might have some achievement to it, that someone would be changed through you. But it's your responsibility to get a hold of that. Focus your life. Focus your life. And of course, if we don't focus our life, then no one, so, someone else will get us off track. We become scattered all over the place. Have a look at this in Philippians chapter 3. See, Paul was a man who was focused. Jesus was focused. Tells us in one place in the Bible, Luke 9, 51, he steadfastly set his face to Jerusalem. How about that? How about 
Suppose I told you, listen, when you go to that next city, you know what they're going to do? They're going to torture you to death. What do you reckon about that? Jesus steadfastly set his face to go. Why? Not because of the pain and the difficulties and the pressure. He's caught with a vision of you and me. He had a great love for us. Wanted to see us become something. What a dishonor it does to him if we become nothing. What a dishonor it is to him if we remain half-hearted and never really lay hold of what God has called us to be and to do. It's really important. Your life is valuable. Jesus steadfastly set his face. Imagine, no, he probably seen crucifixions. You know what they're like. Knows the horror, the pain, and the torment. No, that's what's, that's what's ahead for him. Man, what focus this guy's got. All because he loved you and because he wanted you to access a destiny and have something significant to happen in your life. And Paul was a similar kind of man. Paul got the message, and you see it reflected. You see, one thing of our desire, one thing of our desire, said David, but Paul's not much different. In Philippians chapter 3, let's have a look in around about verse 10. Philippians chapter 3. This one thing I do. It sounds the same kind of talk, doesn't it? And if you have a look at the man who made the greatest influence in the New Testament church and over history, perhaps has had more influence apart from Jesus Christ, anyone, it's Paul the Apostle. And guess what? He writes and talks and thinks the same way. This one thing I do, forgetting the things which are behind, reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press towards the mark for God's calling on my life. I must fulfill what God called me to fulfill. Hey, come on. That's the same kind of talk. Now, you see, he's not called to pick up a sword. He was called to pick up the Word of God and move in supernatural miracles and signs. And, of course, we're called to do similar thing. Pick up the Word of God, begin to release the power of God into our community, into the area we live in, into the people around us. <sighs> hey, you got it in you. You're called to it. You know it. You just know. Look what he says in uh, uh, verse um, 8. He says, all these things, everything I've done and achieved and all that I thought everyone else thought was great. I, all, I count all these things lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things and count them rubbish that I may gain Christ. Verse 10, that I might know Him. Hunger to know God. Hunger for His power and also a willingness to suffer with him. Because let's face it, if you become passionate in your pursuit of God and you're following a Jesus Christ and you begin to hunger for the power of God and you start to have some miracles happen around you, not everyone will be happy with that. You'll be surprised how they get upset when the power of God shows up. People get very cranky. They either love God or they hate him. That's one thing I love about the power of God. It really kind of pushes people to make a decision. And they usually become love or hate. They really go one way or the other. And so some people really love it when God turns up. I've had them get extremely angry. Very, very angry. Very, very angry. Jesus had them get angry. Because when the power of God begins to touch people's life, you're forced to take sides with God or show, show you, you become shown up. You're an enemy of God. There's no middle ground when the power of God is flowing. There's no middle ground when people are being changed and touched. So he said, this is what Paul said. He says, I've got a hunger to know him passionately, to experience his power operating in my life, and I am willing to identify with him in the rejection, opposition, and difficulties that come along with that. Following Christ, pursuing him, 
automatically set you on a course where some people don't want to know you anymore. Automatically set you on a course where some people will criticize you, talk and make fun of you. But you've got to decide what, what you're going to be listening to, whether you're focused, whether, see, all that criticism and negativity and people laughing, making fun of you. Yeah, sure, it hurts, sure it hurts. But you kind of got the same spirit as Paul. I know where I'm going. I got my life focused. I know exactly where I'm going. And he said, so I count all things but done, that I might know him. He said, this one thing I do. So it's a pursuit of God, pursuit of the purpose of God. He knew he had a call of God, and he single-mindedly pursued it. You have a call of God. It's your responsibility to discover it and pursue it. And it's not found by reading books. It's found in the place of prayer and intimacy with the Lord. See, right now we've got a season coming up of that seeking God and pursuing God. There's a great time to be like that. You see? And you're in a church where there's a hunger for God, so you're positioned to be able to actually start to learn from people. Now, you'll find when it comes to focusing... And focusing your life, one of this very simple thing about focusing, what you've got to do is decide what's going to go. Because if you're going to focus your life on the Lord, there's some stuff that's not going to be there anymore. Okay. How many would love to build a really strong, daily, regular, committed prayer life? Well, we won't do that. How many struggle with that? Well, everyone's got a bit of a struggle at various levels in that. How many struggle to turn on TV? There's no struggle in that. Sit and watch that for three or four hours. Sit there at your computer for three or four hours. What's it doing to you? Is it helping you fulfill your purpose that God paid a great price on the cross to you to do? I don't think so. I think it's a wonderful, wonderful, glorious distraction to get your focus. And there you are, stuck in front of a little screen, watching colored dots moving around, zooming out into cyberspace, up on Facebook, telling everyone what you're doing. Listen, you should be telling God what you're up to. That would be much better. There's a Facebook in heaven, you know. And you didn't realize that. There is. God records everything you did. And said, so this is, now listen, listen, Paul said this. See, this is what the demon said. This is what the demon said. See, Paul we know and Jesus we know, but who the heck are you? That's bad when the demons are saying that. We know Jesus. Oh, yeah. We've seen his Facebook in heaven. He's scary. <laughs> huh? We've seen Paul. Paul. Oh, Paul. Ah! We know Paul. He's scary. I've seen his Facebook in heaven. But you, I saw yours on the net. I don't think I saw it anywhere in heaven. And that's where it counts. Of course, there's older people here. Facebook, what are you talking about? Ask one of the younger people. <laughs> it's like your personal diary with pictures in it, except it's on the web. And anyone can go there and have a look. See? You look up and find out Anna's Facebook. Excuse me. <laughs> See? See, so you want to have a Facebook in heaven, not one just on the earth. One on the earth wonderful. You have all these people think you're a lovely person, know every detail of your life and what you're doing and what you felt about this. It's all wonderful. But the one that counts is in heaven. You want to make sure you've got a plenty of pages up there. You've got a history with God. And so instead of just getting on the, the, the computer every day and just typing up some information, what I did, I chatted to so-and-so, and all that kind of stuff, 
be much better if you got into the presence of God and things were written in heaven about you. Now that would be much better. Because when it comes to cutting it on the earth, you need to have something written in heaven. Jesus said, the disciples come and say, man, whoa, the demons are coming out. He said, listen, that's what he said, listen. He said, don't rejoice the demons come out. Rejoice you've got a Facebook in heaven. There it is, my space. There you are, written up there. He said, make sure you've got a space up there. You've got your space on the computer, not going to do you any good. Help you along a little, but it'll distract you. And all the hours spent on that, and so little time. You know what it did? It took your focus away from what would make your life really count. It was a distraction. I wonder how many other distractions you've got. If you're going to get focus in your life, you've got to decide what you want, what you really, really want. And you have to identify that very clearly. And you have to also identify the things that will stop you getting there and start to eliminate them. There are some people who are such negative energy drains that just being around them drains your life. Have you, do you know some people like that? I don't make them my friends. Otherwise, I'll stay depressed like them. You've actually got to decide that the people you'll build quality relationships with will be the people that will help you go where you have determined your life will go. And I have observed over the years that the devil will send every kind and manner of person into your life to drain your energy and divide your focus. Once your focus is divided and you no longer now are clear where you're going and why you're doing what you're doing, then your energy dissipates and very soon you've lost your way. So it takes some discipline to do this. It's not very hard. How many can think now of some people or situations which you think about it, they're just a huge negative energy drain. They're not helping you go forward. Actually, you wish you could get over it. Come on, put the hand up and be honest. You know, Okay, well then why don't you do something this year to deal to those things? Why don't you just deal to them? Just deal to them. Get them out in the open. And tell someone, this is what I'm pursuing this year. Here's my goal. And this is what I'm getting rid of and dealing to. I want you to ask me in three weeks' time how I'm getting on. That's scary. No, it isn't. That's what's accountability to help you stay focused. Everyone needs someone to help them stay on course. Don't go it alone. Don't go it alone. Get someone to help you stay on course. Get someone to help you get where you really want to get. Because, you know, God loves you, but the whole world's got a plan for your life. You know, you've got to determine what God's plan is for your life. And real success is when my fo- life is focused around knowing God and accomplishing what he called me to do, whether it be in education or politics or finance or business, whatever it is God called me to do, success for me will be knowing God and then being able to bring his life and influence into that area. To do that, you'll have to train, you'll have to learn some skills. Serving God means you develop the skills you've got. You don't just bury them. The guy who buried his talent never developed. He didn't get a very good rousing welcome in heaven. Come on, think about this. If you've got talents and skills, 
then discover them, identify them, and develop them. Put the money, the time, and the effort in to do something about them. If you've got music, get alongside some musician, pay some money, invest in yourself. Why? Because your life needs to be focused on developing what God has already given you. Well, think about this year. Think about this year, what you're going to do. There's some soldiers of David in 2 Samuel 23. You know, and David's just there, and uh, it's a bad time in Israel. He's in the stronghold, and uh, he's, uh, the Philistines have invaded the nation. They've taken over Bethlehem, and he's a bit upset about that because his hometown. Hometown's been invaded. Mum and dad, he's had to get them out and get them away. And he just sort of sighs out loud. He says, man, I'd love to get a drink of water out of the well at Bethlehem. And three of his men, now these are the top men, and the Bible tells us he had, he had about 1.3 million men within a short period after this. But it only tells us about three or four guys what they did. So the Holy Ghost identifies. And this is what these guys did. David wants a drink out of the well. Gah! We can do that. Let's do it. And three of them. Now, you've got to understand three of them. Now, this is a village, so it's, got, it's been overtaken by an army. So there'll be a lot of soldiers garrisoned there, and they'll, they'll have a guard around the city, and there's a well probably at the center of the town, it's only a small town, there's a well probably somewhere at the center of it or just towards the edge of it. You know what these three, the two of them, two of them, the three of them got together, they said, we're going to get David a drink of water. Why'd they do that? He didn't even ask them. He just actually spoke it aloud. Oh, I'd love to have a drink of water out of, Jerusalem, out of Bethlehem. You know what they did? They got the swords out, and they laid in, left, right, and center. Knocked them all out. They got to the well. Two of them are fighting them off. One's dipping down, get the water. They carried the water back to David. Imagine that. They risked their lives. Oh, and the Bible says, mighty men of valor, hazarding their own lives just so they could please the king. Oh, now that's loyalty. That's passion. That's commitment. That's focus. David said he'd like it. Good enough for us. He didn't even have to ask us. We're going to do it. Oh, now those are people who are focused. How on earth did they get like that? Where did they find men like that? Oh, I know where David found them. It's found in 1 Samuel 22. You know where he found them? Everyone who was distressed, that means they had a bad attitude. And they were in debt. That means they owed heaps, got a poverty thing and can't handle money. And they were discontented. That means they were cranky. They said, well, we can do better than we are now. We'll go and join up with David. At least we might be a bit better than we are now. So they joined up with David. And in the course of time, the spirit that was upon him as a worshiper of God, one thing have I desired, that will I seek after. I might live in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is my light. The Lord is the strength of my life. Something came on them. Their lives became changed. They started to get a different spirit, a different attitude. They became men of valor. They got the same spirit on them that David had. That comes from hanging around with the right kind of people. You catch what they have. Hang around with the wrong kind of people, you catch what they have too. Hang around with angry people, you become upset about all kinds of manners of things. Hang around with offended people, oh my, you'll become offended right real quick about all kinds of things. Hang, hang around with people with poverty mentality, man, you'll be short of a dollar. And you'll always be complaining you haven't got enough. But you hang around with the right people, then what's on their life begins to impart to you. That's how we're designed. They link to David and these men who were in debt and discontent. You know what happened? They become mighty men of valor and they owed their lives to him. And out of that loyalty, they said, David, you only got to wish it. We're on to it. Boy, I love that. But that's actually what we're called to be. God's only got to just whisper it. Huh? 
It's good as done. And if you risk your life doing it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You know, the most thing we're likely to risk our life is someone gets angry at us. They get angry. They call me names. Oh, dear. Listen, toughen up. Get focused. You're called to be a soldier for the Lord. To make a difference. There's schools, young people. There's some who will die this year and go to eternal hell because no one reached them in time. You're the generation to do it. You've got to decide, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Let me just give you a few simple things you can finish with. We'll finish with just simple things you can do, just some practical things you can do now. See? To make your life count. Oh, I love it. See? Paul, at the end of his life, said, oh, I've run my race. That's a crown for me. David, at the end of his life, he's run it well. I like that. End of his life, run it well. We want to end our lives running it well too. See? Okay, here it is. Simple thing now. Just I'll give you a few simple keys. Here it is, number one, okay? Number one. Why don't you just engage in a season of prayer and fasting? Why don't you set a time over this next three weeks when we've got three nights of prayer, and every day for three weeks there'll be people in the church fasting. Why don't you set your mind that you're going to fast? Fast off food, not for the, maybe the whole three weeks, but do a meal a day or something. Fast off your TV, fast off your internet, fast off papers, just set your heart for three weeks. You'll give God prime time. Okay? Prime time to God. And the purpose of doing that is to come near to Him so you can declutter your life. So if you're going to declutter your life, just put first things first. Set your heart that for three weeks, 21 days, Daniel fasted 21 days, he encountered Tremendous supernatural encounter that changed his life and the destiny of the nation. Now, maybe that won't happen for you, but in 21 days, some things will shift in your life. Every day, knock some food out. Take time to be in the presence of God, worshiping Him, hungry for Him, reading the Word of God. Very, very simple. Then while you're there, begin to start to, as you're spending time with the Lord, begin to ask yourself, what is it I really need to accomplish with my life this year? What do I really want? Now, it's hard to know because you've kind of got lots of things that we want. But this is what I observed from David. He, he centered his life around his relationship with the Lord, and then the overflow touched every other part. So why don't you make your number one thing this year, what do I want to do or accomplish or develop in my relationship with the Lord? Then... Begin to start to work outwards from there. What about in my personal life? What issues do I need to address? What do I want to develop? Is there any skill I want to learn this year? What about in my relationship with parents or family? What are the things I want to do in that area? What about with my money? What, what kind of goals do I want to set there? See? And what about in, in, in relationships and reaching out and forming friendships? What do I want to accomplish there? So just work your way around. But keep the center around what I want to build passionately with God every day. That will help you keep on focus. Now, here's the next question asked. What is it I need to eliminate to be able to get there? Because something's going to have to go. Something will have to go. Maybe there's some of your TV time. There may be some other silly things you do that you say, man, I'm not going to do this year. I know where I'm going. I want to get this done. So it's interesting. I talked with uh, my daughter today, and 
and uh, she has fulfilled four years of university, come out the other end, absolutely doesn't know a debt, in no debt, not a cent. But on the way, I had to talk to her. On the way, I had to tell her, honey, no matter what everyone else is saying, you just determine you'll come out of this, no debt. And what's happening, of course, with a student loan, uh, some of the girls in her dorm, you know what they're doing is they, they're buying an outfit with it, they're paying to go to the ball with it, so these loan more money, more. I said, one day, they'll have to pay it. And the day that they have to pay it, they'll pay it with interest, and they won't even realize how much it really costs them. But you, if you'll pay up front, you'll always know what it costs you, and you get to the end, and the money you get, you'll be able to use to go somewhere and do something. Come on, think about that. There's some people here need to get a real grip on this issue of debt and start to break out of that so you can go somewhere financially. Now, the reason you're in debt is because someone, either you didn't have a focus for your money or you got distracted by something else. Think about it. So what do you got to eliminate? So think what you've got to knock out in order to go where you want to go. Are there some habits you've got to break? Are there some attitudes you've got to shift? Are there some relationships you've got to change? Are there s- now, what about this? Here's another question. What people could I connect with that would help me go where I want to go? What new relationships do I have to form? Now, see, and there may be, is there anything stopping me doing that? See, sometimes we have to connect with people who can help us go forward. Don't think you have to do it all on your own. You don't. There's plenty of people around here can help you go from where you are to where you want to go very easily. They know what to do. They've done it, and they've helped others. Seek them out. You say, I don't know who. Give me a break. You'll find who. Go ask. Position yourself so you can receive. See, Put yourself in a place where someone can help you. Don't be too proud to say, I don't know what to do, but this is where I want to go. Can you help me? And then you write those things down and you just set the course. Work on one or two at a time, steadily, every day, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. You'll get there. You will get there. You will get there because you kept focused for the whole year. So I want you to think then when you come out at the end of this year. See, when you come out at the end of this year, it'll just be the result of what you decide in the next few weeks. If you focus your year, you'll start to actually accomplish something. Some of you, maybe your last year at school, what are you going to accomplish? What people are you going to influence this year? Is anyone going to be saved because of your influence? Or will it be said, isn't that amazing? They were a great young Christian, went to a great church, but they never ever affected anyone for Christ. What happened on the way? Lost focus on why we're here. Wow, what a great year this is going to be. How many felt God challenging you right now, huh? How are you feeling the channel? I can feel it biting in. I'm feeling it. I'm preaching to myself, of course. <laughs> you preach to yourself. In 2 Corinthians 11, verse 3, Paul, I'll finish with this. Paul says this. He said, I've, I've brought you into an intimate relationship with Christ. I'm really concerned. But it's just the same way the devil got Eve off track. You get distracted or go off track from just a simple focus on being in love with Jesus. It's really quite simple. Loving him enjoying Him, walking with Him, getting to know Him, and doing life with Him. What a great thing. 